So morning. Welcome. Let's do it. We're going to be studying Romans chapter 11 today. So I want to make sure that you know where we are. Romans chapter 11. We won't be doing the whole thing. We'll get through it, but we'll jump through a few texts. As you know, Romans chapter 11 is great. Romans chapter 12 gets more attention, right? The living sacrifice, the Romans chapter 12 verses one and two. That's the one we're going to, you know, you can't wait for that next week. Nobody reads Romans chapter 11, but we're gonna, um, because Romans chapter 11 is actually really a good opportunity for you to um, understand and how he begins um, and what he talks about through the whole thing, which is the grace of God. And it's so beautiful what he's talking about because he's, he's, remember, we're having this conversation with the Jewish nation, with the Israelites, right? His Jewish friends, family. He's having a conversation with them. He's been having it since chapter 9, 10, and now 11. And he's telling them that he wants them to become, um, he wants them to come back to the kingdom, to accept who Jesus really is and to bring them into the fold. And his heart is full of that, but he, he understands that that will only happen through and by the grace of God. And so he starts with a question like Paul has often done. And the question is this, I ask then, he says in verse one, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? And have you noticed that every time Paul is asking a question, he's basically just asking a rhetorical question where the answer is, don't be ridiculous. Right? That's the way, that's kind of his move. That's what Paul does every time. He asks that question, does, has, has God then rejected his own people? And the answer is, of course not. Don't be ridiculous. And then he goes, by the way, the reason why I know this is because I myself am an Israelite, a, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He's reminding everyone that he's part of that nation in which he is calling back to God. And so he's like, listen, God has not let everybody go. And I'll tell you why, because I'm here and I'm part of you. So you can be part of this too. He continues in verse two. He says, no, God has not rejected his own people. Of course not. Whom he chose from the very beginning, right? He wants to put that in because they've been God's chosen people from the beginning. Do you realize what the scriptures say about this? And then he begins to quote from Elijah, right? Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, and this is what they said in the very next verse. He said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah was a little bit of a complainer. Right? And listen, Elijah had a lot to complain about because, you know, you've got King Ahab and Jezebel, and we all, if we, if we don't know the story, we know Jezebel's not good, right? <laughs> when I was working in education, every once in a while, every five or six years, a Jezebel would come through. And you'd be like, really? That's what your parents chose? Like, they, they kind of set you on a path. Like, that wasn't really fair. Because... Because you could see it, the teachers would be doing roster and they'd be like, da 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 you know, Jehoshaphat. <laughs> Not many of those. Um, Jezebel. <laughs> like, you want to get a look at a Jezebel. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, it's just not fair, right? It's just not fair. Um, if your name is Jezebel, you are not determined by that name, you have free will to reclaim that name for Jesus. Um, <laughs> so he's like, they're trying to kill me too. I'm the only one left. I'm the only person there. And do you remember God's reply? Says the text, I'm not asking you. It actually says the text says, do you remember God's reply? He said, no, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. He's like, you need to get over yourself. 
a little bit. You think you're the last one. You think you're the leftover. You think you're the remnant. Oh no, there's 7,000 other people. So you're a little narcissistic, Elijah, because I've got other people who have not bowed down to Baal. God reminded him that God always has those who have accepted the chosenness, right? Romans 11, 5, it is the same today, says Paul, for a, few, for, for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace. His understanding, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. This is an understanding of God's grace that keeps people with them. This is an assurance of his love. His grace is always extended to us. We just have to accept it. And that's all the children of Israel had to do as well. In their chosenness, they became blinded. And they didn't recognize their chosenness, right? This is assurance of salvation. 11.6 continues, and since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their own good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So he's explaining to them what God's grace is and that there's nothing that you can do. Your chosenness doesn't matter because God's chosen you, just accept your chosenness. Because your chosenness doesn't matter, it's not birthright. What matters is that you accept what God is offering. Because if you do that, then there's the grafting of God. We talked about the grace of God, now we're talking about the grafting of God. There's this grafting that brings people into the body of Christ. Jumping to verse 11, it says this, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery. And again, of course not. Are you kidding? Don't be ridiculous. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles, but he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. And that sounds petty, right? That's like anthropomorphizing God a little bit. That word means that we're making God into like a human being, so you know. There's certain people when I use phrases, they, they text me and go, stop it. So I will define that phrase. To anthropomorphize God is to give, them, give God human characteristics. So it sounds like it's a bit petty, right? God accepts the Gentiles so that the Jews would be jealous as if the Gentiles didn't matter. Don't get crazy, but Paul is talking to the Jews, right? Paul is talking specifically to the Jews. And so he wants them to understand that, oh, by the way, your chosenness, that thing that you hold so dearly, that remnancy, that thing that you think is only yours, it's not only yours. God's giving it to other people, which by the way, does have a tendency to make other people jealous. He is just longing for his family. And so in verse 12, he continues like this. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. Paul understands how powerful God's love is and is how powerful his love for Israel is as well. The nation was always supposed to be a blessing to the world. And see, this is what people forget. People forget that God choosing Israel was not God choosing Israel because he liked the way they looked or the way they smelled or the food that they brought. It was because he knew that they, if they stayed with him, they could become a blessing to the nations. In other words, in other words, everyone in the planet could know who God was by the revelation of Israel as they showed the world who God was. But the problem was they were not very good at it. I don't know if you remember this, but in the Old Testament, there's a lot of covenants, right? There's the Abrahamic covenant, there's the Noahic covenant, there's the Mosaic covenant, there's the Davidic covenant, not in that order, just so you know. Um, 
There's all these covenants because the people of Israel kept falling away from God and God kept choosing them again and saying, come on, let's try this again. You can do it, right? Obviously the apex of those covenants is Jesus going, let me take care of this for you. But when Jesus did that, he said, now it's not just for you. It's for everyone. You see, salvation was supposed to come into the world always, but it was supposed to come through the Jewish nation as they revealed who God was, but they weren't good at it. And so Jesus came and gave us a perfect revelation of who God was. Romans eleven thirteen. I'm saying this especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me, the apostle, to the Gentiles. I stress this because it's important for you to know, he says in 14 and 15. But he's reminding the Gentiles that they are grafted. They're not second and they're not less than. But their opportunity came because of the rejection. What if Israel had said yes? What if they had said yes consistently? We might be living in a very different world, but because they didn't, because of the history that we see in the Old Testament, this is where we are. And Paul wants them to recognize this. God came to the Jews first, but now he's come to you. Eleven sixteen, and since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy. And he just for a moment uses a baking metaphor and then he jumps off it real quick and sticks with the, sticks with the farming metaphor much stronger. He says, just as the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. So there's this grafting, right? And I don't know what you think about when you think about grafting onto a tree. I know this is not right, but in my head, I think of like those trees that they make into ladders when they put two trees together and they kind of grow into each other and then they become this ladder. Have you ever seen those? Look it up later. It's okay. Um, the other thing I think about is the, the in and out palm trees. Have you seen those? Now that's not grafting, that's just bending. But for some reason I think of that. So don't, now maybe that's all you'll think about. Um, grafting is when you take something that's not from that branch, you take a branch that's not from that tree and you put it onto the root or you put it onto the, the trunk of that tree. But, but he's very specific here. He says, listen, um, you know, for the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. If you're grafted on, then you'll be holy. You'll be part of this thing, Right? He'll continue on and we'll explain this a little bit more. But some of these branches, he says in verse 17, are from Abraham's tree, right? Some of the people of Israel, some of them have been broken off. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree, you've been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. He's like, you got to remember, it's the root that makes you holy. It's not the branches. It's not what the branches do. It's not even the fruit that the branches bear. That doesn't make them holy. What makes them holy is that they're connected to the root. All right? 11:18. but you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. Now he's talking to the Jews and the Gentiles at the same time. He's leaning a little bit more towards the Gentiles. You're just a branch. You're not the root. And this is a, perhaps a warning for those who think that remnancy puts them in a higher position than someone else, right? This is important. I was, when I was playing music in college, um, we, we played with this band. We did this Christian venue and we played with this band. They were called The Remnant. And I thought, oh, that's kind of a cool name for a band. And they're like, yeah, but when we play secular gigs, we're the leftovers. <laughs> I was like, that's weird. First of all, have one name for a band. Don't have two. Um, but they were, obviously they came from an Adventist background. Um, of course, 
what 18 year old uses that word remnancy unless you've rubbed up against it as a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, you know, so the problem we were having, the problem they were having is that the Gentiles at times were bragging about the fact that they'd been grafted on the tree. The nation of Israel was bragging because they had been part of the tree from the beginning. They were both bragging about things that Paul's like, you need to stop bragging about it because it's not about the branches. It's about the root. And then he even pushes it farther with the Gentiles. He says, well, you may say those branches were broken off to make room for me. Narcissism, right? Narcissism. We're the only ones. I'm the only one that is faithful to you, God. I've got 7,000 other people. Well, that seems like a lot. I've not met those other people. I'm sure they're around. See, this is the problem with remnancy. <laughs> we like to be alone. And, and Paul is saying, listen, there are some that will be broken off and some that will be grafted on. But by the way, I may graft those first ones back on too. This is not about you. I didn't tear them off for you. I tore them off because they weren't bearing fruit. Will you bear fruit? So he continues in verse 20. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think too highly of yourself. But fear what could happen. Fear what could happen. That's interesting. I think it goes back again to this deterministic theology that we're saying is not in Paul's writing. Because Paul's saying, listen, if you could step away, you could step away. So you need to be careful. You need to be sure that you're not stepping away. And by the way, why do people step away from, from a relationship with God? Why do people step away from the blessing that it is to be connected to the root? For a couple reasons. One, they think they're the blessing, not the root. They think that it's because of what they do and the fruit that they create that they, so what happens is you think salvation comes from yourself in the end. I'm so good that clearly God must need me. The root doesn't need the branches. The branches need the root. It is the root, not the branches because everything else leads to self-sufficiency and arrogance and we are dependent people. We depend on God. When we look at ourselves, we miss the idea that it is God and not us. And by the way, those of us who come from a Seventh-day Adventist background, be careful. And I'll say this with all honesty and all authenticity. You need to be careful because if you use that term remnancy, that, that excludes the other 7,000 that God is working with. How do you know who God's working with? How do I know who God's working with? I think it's only me. Do I think it's only this church? Are you kidding? Listen, in Absalom's time, God spoke through a donkey. That's right. I did not use the biblical term. <laughs> and he's been speaking through donkeys ever since. So don't get cocky. <laughs> right? I'm the only one. 7,000. Romans eleven twenty one. For if God did not spare the original branches, he's not going to spare you either if you get too arrogant because that was their problem. They thought they had a birthright. And God knows that you're connected to the root because of the fruit that you create that comes from him because of the nourishment that comes from God. So we got to ask the question, are you growing? Are you growing or have you just come to enjoy what you believe is favored status? 
Grafting is so that you can grow. If you don't grow, the grafting is useless and God has to pull you out. What are you doing in your life to grow? What are you doing to serve? What are you doing to expand the kingdom? What is the fruit of your life? And can someone even recognize it in you? Because that means you understand what the root has to offer. And if you understand what the root has to offer, you never become arrogant that you're a branch. Because sometimes you got to prune a branch for the whole thing to be healthy. Romans eleven twenty three, And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again, for God has the power to graft them back into the tree. This is the God of second chances. Israel's not lost. Israel needs to recognize. And they'll be allowed back. Eleven twenty four. You, by nature, were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. But remnants don't like company. Remnants are supposed to be small. The leftovers. Yeah, what is it in a dish at what point does it become a leftover? If you eat one piece and don't eat any more, is that now a leftover? Even though there's more of it than less? I don't know, I just thought about that. That's actually an interesting question. At what point does your casserole become a leftover? Because if you only eat one slice and put it back in, I don't consider that a leftover. A leftover, it needs to go into a different, a different container, doesn't it? That makes it a leftover. Is that what it is? This has nothing to do with the sermon. I'm just actually sort of interested in what the delineation of a leftover is. And if you put a bunch of stuff into the casserole dish previous, is it, let's not do this. This will get more weird. Listen, remnants don't like company because they don't feel like a remnant anymore. They literally think they're the last ones, the only ones left. So they'll actually be angry when other branches are put back into the tree. Now, this is the problem with saying that we're an end time people. Because what if there's other people that get grafted on the tree and we're like, no, no, it's supposed to be us. Who are you? And like, well, we, you know, we, we strayed away a little bit, but we're back with God and he's grafted us on the tree. And we're like, uh, God, is there room for everyone here? And God says stuff like, I don't know, in my house, there's many man, there's many rooms. And we go, yeah, but for them? And are you, are you gonna put them next to my room? because they cook weird food and I don't like the smell of it. And God says, you need to relax. And we go, we're a remnant. We don't relax. We're very uptight. Very uptight group of people. Oh boy. It's the root, not the branches. It's the root, not the branches. And this is a guarantee of God, right? Because there will be a time of restoration. God has not forgotten Israel. Of course not. God doesn't forget anybody. God does not forget anybody. And he doesn't love somebody more than other people because of what they do. Right? That's our problem. That's our problem, thinking that we got it so right that God owes us something. He's going to talk about that in just a second. We'll get there. 1125. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters. 
so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, yep, but this will last only until the further, until the full number of Gentiles come to Christ. This is keeping everyone humble. Romans eleven twenty six. as he continues, and so Israel will be saved. All Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem and he will turn Israel away. He had just been pretty hard on Israel and then he was kind of hard on the Gentiles. And so he's kind of bringing in this conversation, he's bringing the Jews back and saying, listen, remember the Messiah came from you and there will always be a part to play in God's plan of salvation for you. 1127, and this is my covenant with them that I will take away their sins. God will always be with them. God will always be with us. He's never letting go. He's never giving up on us. We can always be grafted back into that root. And all this for the glory of God, right? For his greatness. Romans eleven thirty three. 33. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. Because Paul understands and Paul recognizes, Jews, you are having a hard time with this. And Gentiles, you are having a hard time with this because you're both a little narcissistic. Romans eleven thirty four. 34, for who can know the Lord's thoughts and who knows enough to give him advice? <laughs> Friends, I said at the beginning, this is all about his grace. This all comes from God, not from us so that we don't boast. This is all about his grace. Everything that we have comes from him. Romans eleven thirty five. 35. And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Oh, let's sit on that for a second. Which of us has done so much that when God comes down to earth to, to bring his people back to him, he'll stop and go, oh no, you, thank you. Couldn't have done this without you. You're the last one. None of us have done so much that God needs to repay us for what we've done. See, we do these things for his glory. There's, this is the reason for all of it, for his glory. It is for his glory that we are even considered. Not because God needs us to lift him up, but because he is worthy of that glory. Not because he needs us to sing, but he appreciates the praise that someone who has received a gift gives. My daughter, when she was two years old, she knew how to accept a gift. I remember when Christmas, Papa John was there. That's her granddad, not the pizza. Um, <laughs> although we've eaten pizza with him, so that works. But he was there and um, he gave her a dress. And I just remember her, she was standing on the table. So cute, you know, she was a little blonde girl, like very little hair. She had to wear one of those like, you know, things on her hair so people could know that she was a little girl and beautiful little white shoes. Oh, so beautiful. And, and Papa John gave her a dress and she, she looked at it and she went, oh, so good. Like, I don't know who taught her this. Oh, and she reaches down and she picks it up and she puts it on like this and she goes, oh, Papa John. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. And I'm looking at my father-in-law, like this girl has got him. <laughs> and of course, like a tear, right? A tear. Papa John didn't need the praise, but man, he accepted it because he understood what it meant. Romans eleven thirty-six: for everything comes from him and exists by this power and is intended for his glory. 
all glory to him forever. And then Paul just ends it. He goes, amen. I can't, that's it, right? That's it. We are dependent beings, dependent on God for everything. It's the root. It is not the branches. It is the root. It is not the branches. And we are not the only branch. God has grafted on the 7,000 and 7 million and however many he decides are, are believing in him and he can graft onto him to bear fruit. It is the root that is God, not the branches. So let us never become arrogant in who we are in any sort of status that we might assign for ourselves because we think we see only ourselves in scripture. But God has 7,000 more who recognize the root. Let's just make sure we always do. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for being the root. May we be worthy branches, branches that bear fruit, branches that grow, but branches that always make room for whoever else you are grafting onto yourself. Lord, may we honor you and give you glory in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we accomplish only because of you. Let us never think that this is something that we've done, but always be humbled by the fact that you are a gracious God. May we just accept the chosenness that you grant us by giving us grace. In your name I pray, amen.